0: You were made for this. That's what we started last week. We started this message. You were made for this. What were you made for? We're meant to worship God. We, you are made to reflect the glory of God. You're a reflection of who he is. We are to God what the moon is to the sun. We are simply a reflection. The moon does not produce its own light. It's a reflection of the sun's light. And we do not produce our own light excuse me, we don't produce our own light. We're a reflection of the light of Christ. We are, are the love that we have is only because God loved us first. It's a reflection of his love and that's what we're called to be like the moon is to the sun. That's our purpose in life. Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your, with your, your soul." I'm flustered today. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Mind is what we're talking about today. We'll talk about the other three the next three weeks because we were made for this. Uh, Jesus said, "This is this is how you glorify me is to is I gave my life for you the way that you can pay me back, which you can never repay back what Jesus has done for us, but that you love." God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which we know the second part of that is to love others as you love yourself, and to, to love others in that way. You were made, friends, for a purpose. And when we discover that purpose, I believe that's when we're happy, when we're healthy, not without problems, but when we have joy, when we have health, when we have happiness, is when we're living out our purpose to worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we're living out our purpose to love our neighbor as ourself, You were created on purpose for a purpose. Those of you who are watching online, everyone in this room, we all were created on purpose for a purpose. I love what Mark Twain said, the two most important days in a person's life is the day they're born and the day they discover the reason why. The day they discover their purpose. Uh, A friend of mine in ministry a couple weeks ago, I was at his new church, he'd been there five weeks. My My youngest daughter goes there And I was so excited to hear that he was going to share his testimony. I've I've heard him preach. He's a good preacher. But I had never heard his full testimony. And it speaks to the purpose of glorifying God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was an average kid, grew up in the church, uh, went to Olivet Nazarene University, went on to law school, got his law degree, graduated in the top 10% 10 of his class, uh, was hired on a prestigious law uh, firm in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He said, we didn't deal with million-dollar cases. We dealt with billion-dollar cases. He was on the, the ladder to success. He had everything that you could want or, 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 or do. And yet, he said his mission in life, his purpose in the life had become to revolve around one wor- three-letter word. And that three-letter word wasn't God. That three-letter word was win. And he sought to win at all costs. He said, when you seek to win at all costs, you'll do things that beyond what you thought you would do. And he said, he self-admitted, he said that I was a liar, I was a cheater. He says, I was the most, one of the most arrogant, narcissistic people that you would meet. It was got so bad that my in-laws set my wife aside and said, I think it may be time to divorce him. He said, I was an ugly person. I was not a, but I was a winner by, I, I, I won. I, I, he goes, I was all about winning. And then he goes, I had the image of winning too because I still went to church all the time. I grew up in the church. I knew how to look the part, play the part. And uh, so we were in this young adult Sunday school class. The Sunday school teacher came up to me and said, Hey, would you share your testimony with us next week? And he said, Sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. And so he said, that next Sunday, I got in that young adult Sunday school class and he began to share my testimony, how I grew up in the church and how I went to Olivet that Nazarene University and these different things. And then he says, then I got to present day where I was in that moment. And he said, I had a meltdown and I broke down. He goes, I, I he, he said, lawyers aren't supposed to cry. I don't know if that's true or not, Scott, but he said, lawyers, he goes, they're not supposed to cry, but he goes, I melted down in front of that class and I just lost it in that moment. I, I began to just share honestly for the first time. I said, I want you to know I'm at a crossroads this morning. I don't know which direction I'm going to choose. I don't know which direction I'm going to go. Because as I stand here before you today, I'm really not a Christian. I, I'm, I just go to church. It's not, it's, I, I, and I don't know, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I have a decision today. I can continue down the path that I'm on right now or I can choose to really follow Jesus. And as I stand before you, I don't know what I'm going to do." And he said it was the most awkward silence in a church Sunday school class on a sunny morning. No one knew what to say, no one knew what to do, and so it was just an eerie, awkward silence. The teacher didn't even know what to do. And so the teacher got up and he said, "'I think that will do it for today.'" And they went home. And he said, that day began a journey, a battle for my mind. I, I began to have a battle go on in my mind. I was so conflicted. I was back and forth. And I, God was pursuing me uh, because he loves me, but he was calling me into, into a real relationship with him. But there's this part I didn't want to let go of this. And so he goes, this battle waged in me for two or, the next two or three years. And he goes, I, God tried to speak to me. And he did speak to me. He goes, there's only about two or three times in my life that I know without a doubt God spoke to me. And it was almost audible when he said to me, I want you to use the same gifts as a lawyer to persuade people and win cases. To persuade and win cases for me and help people come into relationship with Christ. I want you to be a pastor. He said, it just blew him away. He said, I didn't have the heart or the guts to tell my wife. It was at least six months before he said, I was driving down the road, 65 miles an hour plus. I had the windows rolled up, the, the doors locked, and I sprung that on my wife. I said, I, I think that God might, is, I, I know, I, God's called me to be a pastor. And it, he said, she said, what? Your training is to be a lawyer, number one. And oh, by the way, Dave, you kind of need to be a Christian if you're going to be a pastor. And he said, that battle continued to wage, and I was going back and forth. And he goes I, was, I, he goes, I was worshiping the Father, Son, Holy Spirit on Sunday. I was worshiping the Trinity on Sunday, but I was still worshiping another Trinity on Monday through Saturday, me, myself, and I. And I was so conflicted, and uh, I, I, I knew God was working in my life. I began to fear death. I began to fear for things in my life. And so, he goes, I became a habitual confessor. And because I flew a lot and was on the plane a lot, I experienced many times of turbulence. He goes, I prayed even more. I confessed even more when there was turbulence. It was like, Lord, God, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'll never do this again. When I, if you help this plan land sa- safely, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And then he goes, then I would go back to my ways. He goes, I was a conflicted man. I was confessing. I had become a habitual confessor. But there was, there was something that I was falling short. I was confessing, but I wasn't repenting. And he said, there's a difference between confessing and repenting. Confessing is not bad. We're going to talk about that. But he said, I hadn't repented. And as only a lawyer could say, I I remember something he said in that message a couple weeks ago. He said, true repentance always brings evidence with it. Now, we can't earn and show evidence uh, to earn a relationship with God. We can't do good works and do good deeds and there give God evidence of here I've doing more good than I've done bad. I'm, I'm living a better life now, so God, you should accept me. No, that has nothing to do with God saving us, accepting us. But when we do repent of our sins and ask Christ into our heart, it's meant not to just save us, but to, but to change us. God wants so much more for us. Christ died so much more for us than to just save us. He wants to change us. I'm thankful for confession. It's where my journey started. It's where many of your journeys in this room started. I, one of the first verses I learned as a new believer, as a 12-year-old boy, was 1 John 1-9. And it's what I put in one of my, you know, my toolboxes. And I said it often. 1 John 1-9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we serve a faithful God who we talk about, who's for us, who wants to forgive us. And I'm thankful for that, 1 John 1, 9. Confession is a start, but repentance is necessary. Luke 13, 5, Jesus said, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will also perish. Confession is a start, but repentance is necessary. It's the very foundation in which Jesus began his ministry. When he came out of the wilderness, after being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, he began his public ministry, and the first words of his public ministry, it says with Matthew four seventeen. from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom. Repent is to change our mind. It's to change direction. It's to turn a 180 and go a different... It's to, and changing our mind is harder than we think. It's easy to spit it off our lips. It's harder to live out in our heart and in our life because none of us like to change our mind. We're pretty stubborn. You saw some wonderful flowery things said about me today. Pull Heather aside and ask her if there's a stubbornness to me. If you served with me in board or leadership or whatever, they've got to see that side of me that I'm, God's still working on it. And I'm not done being, he's, the good work that he started and he hasn't completed. I'm thankful that he will. But there's, there's a stubbornness there. there. We don't like to change our minds. You don't like to change your mind. We're pretty set in our ways. As I said to the first service today, put a Democrat and a Republican in the same room and tell, each other, tell them to change each other's minds. Good luck with that. We're so pretty much set in our ways, it is hard to change our mind. But yet that is how we come to Jesus. We have to change our mind. We have to repent. We have to come into agreement with God's word and say, I, I'm, you, Jesus, this is what you say. So I'm gonna come in agreement with you. I'm not gonna try to convince God to come on my side. I'm gonna be convinced that I need to get on his side. And I need to come into agreement uh, with what God thinks and how he operates. And not just be sorrow. Confession seeks to save me. Repentance seems to cha- uh, seeks to change me. Confession seeks to deliver us from the consequences of our sin. You know, to, to not have to, you know, to face the, the consequences of getting caught. Repentance is a de- desire to change me. God changed me from the inside out. It's like when we were kids. You remember this. If you had siblings, you had to apologize to your sister or your brother. You had to do it. It was part of the family. And you didn't want to do it. You didn't think you were in the wrong. But to avoid the consequences, you said you were sorry. So you could just move on and get on to the next thing. Repentance, though, is when we don't just want to be saved, but we want to be changed. And the purpose that Jesus has for us is so much more than confession. It's a start. But like my friend Dave, who is a habitual confessor that led him to worship God, but it didn't end there. His many confessions didn't lead to change and transformation. He said he continued to lie, steal, cheat, be full of greed, self-indulgent, narcissistic. Confession is a start. Repentance is necessary. I tell you, Jesus said, but unless you repent, you too will also perish. We believe that Jesus, and we're going to celebrate this in baptism today, we believe Jesus came to set us free. We believe that, church. We believe that Jesus came, that his words were that we would have life to the full. That doesn't mean an easy life. That doesn't mean follow Jesus and everything will line up. No, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have hardships. But take heart, I've overcome the world. It's not an easy life, but the healthy life, the whole life, the, the, the life of the full life that God wants, to, wants for you and for us comes through a, a call to repent, We just won't have that peace. We won't have that full joy when we're in conflict with God, when we're trying to convince God to come to our side versus saying, God, whatever your way is, that's the side I want to be on. Jesus came to set us free. But that full life, that repent is through the repentant life that seeks for Christ to change us. To not just make Jesus our Lord, but to to make Savior, but to make him our Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 3.8, actually this is the words of uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Confession says, you caught me. Repentance says, you changed me. Confession says, God, you caught me. (laughs) I, I, I don't want the consequences. Help me minimize those things. Repentance says, change me. Make me a reflection of your glory. Help me to, to worship you with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. But it starts with our mind when we come in agreement with him. But until we come to that place of full repentance, we have the INGs in our life. My friend Dave had the INGs in his life. And we have the ings in our life without a full repentance. With just confession, we're going to live with the ings or the ings, the minimizing, legitimizing, compromising, justifying, rationalizing of sin. No, when we when we repent, we say no more excuses. No more rationalizing, no more minimizing, no more compromising. Do we sin? Do we mess up? Yes, but we don't compromise. We don't. We don't, we don't minimize it. We don't rationalize it anymore. I didn't have time to tell the first service this, but as, um, we have a little bit more time in the service because it's the second, number one. Number two is uh, Pastor Aaron's dad uh, sent me a nice text this morning and said, hey, be encouraged. Remember, you get an extra hour to preach today. <laughs> so we have a whole hour ahead of us. And now I threw that corny little joke in and I'm trying to remember my thoughts. Help me out here. Who's got it? Oh, can't stick to the plan, and then you'll do much better. Ing, the ings, thank you very much. You were listening. I just did that so you'd be listening. The ings, uh we tend to before we repent when we just confess, we tend to minimize. We do we we or we rationalize. And I did what I said, I didn't have time to tell this in the in story, but when we lived out in California, and I told this a long time ago, it's something I'm embarrassed of, I'm ashamed of, because I'd been a Christian for a long time, I'd been a pastor for a long time, but we didn't have a lot of money at the time, and there was this thing that you could buy five days of a Disneyland pass, and then you could um, you could go to two of those days and sell three of them, or someone could by the first three days and you bought their back in two days and you did it on eBay. And for a while it was like, instead of paying 90 bucks a day, when you boil that down, it was like, we're paying like 22 bucks a day to go. And Disneyland started figuring that out and they started sending out, you know, letters and stuff. And then I figured out that you could take that five day pass and you could only use that last two days and only pay like 30, 40 more bucks at the time. And you could get an annual pass and come the rest of the year. I mean, it was all these things. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'm ashamed of this. I was a pastor. I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm a Christian. And um, I have these passes that I'm going to go turn in um, with the end of our five days. We'd used the last two days. And we were going to upgrade to an annual pass. And they were starting to catch on to people's games. It was like doing backroom drug deals, you know, in McDonald's parking lots and stuff we're getting tickets. We're giving them some money for their stuff. And we're taking the two tickets. She asked me, what days were you here? And this was our first, you know, and I was like, because you could do it in 13 days. They were catching on. I began to lie. I began to fib. I began to rationalize that they charge way too much money, that this exorbitant amount of prices that I deserve to have, a, you know, we don't make a lot of money. I began to rationalize, minimize, and I talked my way out of being in trouble and into an annual pass and went home. And I'm telling you, a couple nights, I could not sleep. I don't think Heather could sleep either. We begin to talk, and you're thinking even lower of your pastor today. Like, what kind of loser did we get? But I want you to know, I answer to God, not you. So... Uh, He's forgiven me, it's under the blood, and I'm not only didn't continue to live that life, but we changed that part of that life. And I sent a thing off to them, I said guys, or whatever executive, here's what I did, here's everything I did, I'm sorry I was wrong, and I'm happy to turn the tickets back in, and and whatever we need to do, whatever I need to do to make this right. And I remember getting a response a couple days later, and basically, they showed grace, and they said, you were wrong. This is not right what you did. Um, we're going to choose to overlook at this time, forgive you, and enjoy the annual passes next year. That doesn't always work out in that way. Sometimes there's bigger consequences to pay. But long story short, I'd been caught. And I was rationalizing. I was minimizing. I was compromising. When we don't repent of our sin and we just confess. Because I'll tell you, I went home that night and I confessed to Jesus. I confessed to the Lord. I said, God, that was wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling really good about myself. Would you forgive me? Would, would you? And I, and I tried to go for a couple days going, I confessed to the Lord. Friends, sometimes we need to go make it right. Sometimes there's something that we've done wrong and no one else knows about it. It might have been something we said to someone or whatever, and no one else knows. But in order to make the, the things right, we don't want to just be saved. We don't want to just confess and, and be saved from our consequences, but we want to be free. And God wanted to set me free. And I'm so glad that we did that. And I, I don't even remember if the girls were too young to understand. Well, I don't remember if I went to, to ask their forgiveness or not. I think they were too young. I didn't. Probably because I was so ashamed, because that was a terrible example. But the reality is God wants so much more than just to save us. He wants to change us. He wants to make us a reflection of his image. He wants to make us a person that glorifies him. Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does that mean we'll never need to confess again? No. We'll we'll need to confess. But don't just confess. Don't just ask him to save you. Ask him to change you. Because God has his best for you when he changes us and we completely surrender to that. It's like these baptisms that we're getting ready to celebrate. Anytime I... Um, and baptizing someone, and I take them through the baptism orientation, and if that responsibility falls on me, I really do my best to remind them of Jesus' words that we celebrate today, that these lives are changed, that they're, they're given their hearts to Jesus Christ. But it's more than a confession. We want to see repentance because Jesus' last words were, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he didn't stop there. He said, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why do we keep coming back to church? Why not just, we get baptized, we're good. Lord, take us home because we confess, we're forgiven. God's forgiveness us because God, God has so much more for you than just to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to make you a reflection of his love, and his light, and his glory. There's so much more that God wants to do. So, as we celebrate these baptisms today, we celebrate that they've surrendered, they've said, Jesus, come into my heart, my life, and forgive me. But now it's like, come back next week with the rest of us sinners who are on this journey to follow Jesus, who need His transformation in our life. And it's not just one sermon that changes us, it's just one time that we read the Bible that changes us, it's not just one prayer that changes us. Come on in, kids. But we, we want God to change us and, and make us all that he wants us to be. And we do that through a call and through a life of repentance. Would you, would you just uh, pray with me as our, some of our kids come in to observe our baptisms today? It's so good to have our young, some of our young people in our first and second. We do this as a church family. If you're new with us, watch it online. We always do baptisms uh, together as a church body. Father, I thank you for your love for us today. Lord, I thank you for dying on a cross, paying a price that we could not pay for ourselves, to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. And anyone watching online right now or anyone with, in this room that has not done that, if we simply call upon you, the call upon the name of Jesus and ask you to forgive us and come into our lives, 1 John 1, 9, You're faithful and just. You'll forgive us of our sins. You'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, if we're a habitual confessor like my friend Dave, and we confess a thousand times, we continue to say, Lord, forgive me, you'll you'll forgive us. You're a faithful God. You'll forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Lord, you have so much more for us than that. You love us just the way that we are, but you love us too much to leave us there. You want to transform us. You want to change us. You want to make us in your image. You called us to be a reflection of your love. And Lord, that is through a, a life of confession. But it's more than confession, it's a repentance. Lord, I, I don't have the power to do this on my own. And before anyone would think that I'm just going to repent, I'm going to do this by my own power. Repentance is changing your mind, saying, God's right, I'm wrong. I'm not going to rationalize, compromise, minimize the sin anymore. We're going to call the spade a spade. And we might even say, God, I don't have the power. This has had a hold on me. I, I, as I stand here today, I don't have the power to change what I want changed. And what, but I'm going to call it what it is. It's sin. It's wrong. And I need you to not only forgive me, but, Lord, I, I want you to come in and start changing me and change my life. Make me a reflection of who you are. Make me a reflection of your love. Make me a reflection of your light. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Thank you that the good work that you started in us, you're just getting started. You're going to finish that work. Some of us are at the starting line. Some of us are at the middle of the race. Some of us are getting near the end. But wherever we are, Lord, you don't want to just to start. You want to see us finish and finish well. So, Lord, may we live a life of repentance that you would change us into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we have a couple getting baptized today. If you want to head over that way this morning. And if you're new with us today, uh, baptism, the scripture says, whenever one repents of their sin and comes into relationship with Jesus that the angels in heaven rejoice. They throw a party. So whether it's one, two, or 10, we celebrate around here. We celebrate baptism. And so we celebrate these couple lives that have decided to follow Jesus and say yes to him. And so at that time, after they come out of the water, we clap, we celebrate, we cheer, we have a party. So feel free to join us.